Well, Jesus is 30 years old when he gives this first sermon to his home crowd back in Nazareth. And most pastors will remember their first sermons, if you will. I'm reminded of the story, and I perhaps told it to you before, about the young pastor, not too long out of seminary, who was nervous about his preaching role, and especially about doing a wedding, his first wedding ever, that that a couple had come to him to perform. And so he met with them and counseled them as, as instructed by, by um, our call to ministry and our seminary professors. And he always remembered the advice of his professor that taught him how to do a wedding, who said, be familiar with the service before the day arrives, go through the liturgy and, and let it just roll off your tongue so that it won't be awkward and strange to you. Be sure to have a tight grip on those rings when those are given to you so that when you present them in the exchange, they won't roll around on the floor. And if you ever cannot remember what to say during the service, then quote a scripture. You can never go wrong by quoting a scripture when doing a wedding or any other service. So the day came and and the pastor was nervous and the couple was there and there was a lot of energy, young love, and the crowd of family that was there to support them all. And, and he got to the critical point in the service. Everything was flowing along smoothly until after he pronounced them man and wife and, and did not remember what the blessing part was and could not find the paper. And so in the shuffling of the paper in his Bible there that he's holding, he, he just stopped and remembered what his professor said. And the first scripture that came to his mind, he spoke out. Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what it is that they are doing. And he was speaking, of course, of Jesus on the cross, but everyone there didn't understand it at that time. Preachers remember their first sermons. My daughter Rebecca in December got the opportunity to preach her first sermon at the church in Walkertown, Morris Chapel, where she is the youth pastor. And all of my family and all of her friends went there to hear her. No pressure, right? By the miracle of Facebook Live, I was able to watch her later and hear her sermon. And I was proud. She did a lot better than my first sermon because this is about what I remember of it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It was 1988, and I was a student at Appalachian State University at Little Deerfield United Methodist Church. A preacher was needed. I don't remember much, but it was, uh, it was nervous. I wonder if Jesus was nervous going back to his hometown of Nazareth. All those people that knew him as a little lad. Have you ever been back home before where people pinch your cheeks and and pat you on the head, even if you are taller than they are now, and tell you how they knew you and knew your mama and your daddy and your grandparents, and maybe even further back than that. I wonder if Jesus was nervous in the synagogue that Saturday morning when they gathered to worship and he was handed the scroll. Well, he didn't have much to say, did he? No, in fact, he let... The Scriptures speak for themselves. 
He let God's Word speak for him because he was God's Word, though the people did not know that yet. I'm sure the comments of, wasn't he in training to be a carpenter? Why is he standing up to preach to us? Jesus had to differentiate himself that day, didn't he? To say, all the expectations and ideas you have about me are wrong. Joseph is not my father, though you've seen him raise me, and you've seen me learn his trade. But I have a father in heaven. He was preparing to show them that calls me to a greater thing than you know me as. Jesus reminds us today that we all need to be looking deep within us and to be listening for how it is that God is calling our hearts and lives to ministry wherever we are. Jesus had to set Himself apart, and so He read the Scripture from Isaiah 61, the greatest of the prophets, except for Moses. But in His modern era, in the the last several hundred years, Isaiah was the one that all of Judaism was listening to because there was a lot of Messianic expectation there. What is Messianic expectation? Well, it's simply a foretelling that a Messiah was coming into the world to seek and save the lost, and that included them. And so Jesus stood up and read the Scripture and said, Today this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, a different gospel, Mark tells us that the people were so enraged with Jesus saying that He was God, the fulfillment of the Scriptures, that they took Him out to the edge of town to the mount of the precipice, and they were getting ready to throw him over. I've stood there before. It is a steep, long grade. But Jesus walked right through them, it said, and onto the Sea of Galilee. Jesus came there that day to preach this message and say, I am the fulfillment of it. And they did not know then what we do now, that he was the Messiah that had come into the world. That was a bold claim, and I'm sure the buzz was, was a fuss already before he ever arrived. But when he said it and meant it, why the people were taken aback. Jesus brought a lot of good hope with this, this Isaiah passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, because he's anointed me to preach the good news. Jesus was telling them, I am here to preach good news, not bad news the world good news do you know that Jesus's message is good news for you it is it it says that he loves you that that he died for you on the cross even though you may have turned your back on him or doubted him or or just in spite of him done whatever it is that you wanted to do he did that to show you love God's love that's good news isn't it he came to show us that that everybody is worthy of this love, and that He died for the sins of the entire world, not just for a select group of people. It opens our eyes, doesn't it, to those that are around us, to be reminded that the good news is for them, just as it is for us. And we all come to places in life where we need good news especially, right? A word of encouragement. Someone to tell us it's going to be okay. Someone to 
to show us past what it is we're currently mired or stuck in so that we can, can have a sense of hope and see beyond the, the current darkness that we struggle with. I love the story that Janet Sims wrote. It was in a Reader's Digest about a young daughter a preschool age who was having a Valentine's party. And one day, her mom went to pick her up after preschool, and she had in her hand a red balloon. It was in the shape of a heart, and all of the kids, I'm assuming, got one. So when they got home, and she was getting her daughter out of the car seat, and they were walking towards, towards the front door, the little girl Anna let go of the balloon by mistake and it floated up and it got stuck up in the, the branches of a maple tree. And so that was that. And Anna wasn't too upset about it. She said, okay, Mommy, I'll just let the angels have that balloon. Well, it was a long weekend at the Sims house as she writes it dark and stormy and windy inside and outside because Janet, the mom and Dan, her husband, didn't feel much like celebrating Valentine's Day. In fact, there wasn't much that either of them felt about celebrating together anymore. Not agreeing on anything, not nice words to be said. Wondering if they were going to be able to last the test of time or not. But then leaving for church that Sunday morning, after the storm had passed and the sun was shining, little Anna, as they were walking out of the house towards the car on the sidewalk, noticed in the bush there something glimmering. And, of course, a little kid wants to check that out. And she went to it, and she found that it was her balloon in the shape of a heart that the wind had blown down out of the tree into the bush where she could get it. And Anna, very insightfully, as she had said, she was giving that balloon to the angels when she let it go. said, look, Mommy, the angels wanted you to have this now. And she writes that in that moment, a, a peace swept over her. And she knew deep in her heart everything was going to be okay. It may not be perfect, and it may not change the problems that were very real, but she, she believed by her faith that hope was still alive and that a better day was coming. And Jesus came to say, I bring good news to the world, and that's for you, and that's for others, and we need to hear it, and we need to share it, because we all need some good news in this day and age. Jesus came to announce as well freedom, in addition to hope freedom for the oppressed. Now, we normally think of oppressed people and in types of slavery, don't we? But oppression comes in a lot of forms and fashions personally, but also corporately or, or on a human scale. But there's something about us people, isn't there? About our makeup or the way we think, where we go whenever we have freedom to do just whatever we want. We can end up in oppression when we, when we didn't intend to do that. We personally can chase things that become idols for us. And, and we start to put our hope and our belief and our trust in those things. And, and we look to those for, for good news instead of the place where the good news really 
can be found. Or we, we look to people to, to pull us along and lift us up and, and buoy us when, when people are just people and we're going to let each other down from time to time. We have this way as, as human beings to put our faith in, and trust in things that put their hooks into us and captivate us. And yet, we allow them to do that and don't shake it loose. We need someone to come and free us from those things that entrap us. I saw a a pretty amazing Facebook post this past week that said this. and It had a smartphone on the meme and, and also a copy of the Bible. And it was from a pastor friend. And it said, what if? What if we took our Bible everywhere that we took our phone? What if we pulled it out whenever we needed uh, a word of advice? What if we pulled it out whenever we wanted to talk to someone? What if we pulled it out whenever we got in trouble or needed, needed someone to guide us and tell us where to go and what to do? We become very easily captivated by the things of this world that will enslave us and entrap us and separate us from the good news of living in God's love. And that's no fun. Or we think it is at the time. But then there's also that sense of of bondage that humans inflict upon one another. And we're talking about slavery here. And most currently in in the terminology of human trafficking, we know today from, from things that I've read that, that slavery is still very real and alive today in this world. There are people that are taken and captured and made to do things that they do not want to do. It's an ugly, it's a dark side of the world that we live in, and it happens right here in, in our home state and in our country. People are captured and they are made to do things that they shouldn't have to do. I think we all, in seeing that horrendous story, but what a a joyous outcome a couple of weeks ago where the young girl in, in Wisconsin was freed from her captor who had invaded her parents' homes back at the end of last year taken their lives and taken her to be his own. Enslaved and forced to to live under the bed and held captive and unable to go and do and live as we are supposed to be able to free to do. Why is it that human beings are always trying to find ways to to put others into boxes in a way that that keeps them from, from living freely? Jesus also mentions that he comes to give justice as well. And, and we hope and we, we pray for, for justice for all of those who are done wrong in the world. It's the reason we have a legal system and laws to protect and take care of. Jesus came into the world to say that we need to allow people the room to, to be free and to be themselves. And we as Americans say freedom, and we wave our flags, right? We think automatically of fireworks and the 4th of July and those that have given freedom to us. And yet we forget 
that all around the world and even our, in our midst, there are people that are enslaved. And it ought not to be. Jesus came to set us free from what enslaves us and humans everywhere of things that enslave them. It can be a very dark world, and we can do dark things to one another. And I'm not speaking about anyone in particular or any people group today. But we all need to recognize that life is a gift from God. And, and it's not to be captured and to kept and to be controlled in such a way that the human spirit is not allowed to be free and to celebrate the good news of God's love and of the ability to live life in dignity. There's a story of a prisoner of war from World War II, and he was Jewish, and his name was, and I'm going to butcher this, I know, Kazimierz Szymanski. He was Polish. And like millions of other Jews in World War II, was, was thrown into concentration camps by, by the Nazis and many of them uh, annihilated in the process. But Szymanski survived and was freed by the Allied troops who came and, and delivered those prisoners that were still living from, from their captivity. They were free to go and to live life as they so chose after that. But there was something, something that kept Szymanski from doing that, from living a free life. He had so been shaped and formed in that captivity and in that humiliation of, of being in the death camps that he, in fact, created an own prison for himself in his apartment where he lived and went back to live in Poland. He put bars over the windows. He constructed a small cage in which he slept in. He refused to allow electricity or running water to be cut on for the apartment, he deemed it that he needed to continue to live in the captivity that he had during the war in those primitive and confining conditions because he deserved it. And in 1993, Szymanski died living in those horrendous conditions. And the point of the story is that we all, no matter what we find ourselves enslaved to or how we are captivated by things or, or by people, that we, we have one who came to deliver us from those shackles and those bars and those cages. Do we believe that Jesus, who came to preach His very first sermon and said, I'm about coming to release the captives and set them free, that He came to set us free from our sin, from, from our idols, and from our human, human conditions and our human structures. Freedom is a beautiful gift that is good news for all people. And I'm not talking about living in the USA, though I love it. And I imagine all of you count yourself blessed as well. But I'm talking about having a heart for all of humanity and all people everywhere because those are the ones that Jesus came to live and to love and to die for and that includes us too let's pray together lord thank you for this 
life-changing and earth-shattering message that Jesus came to declare, and now we know so many years later, fulfilled. He is our Savior and our rock and our strength. He is our liberation. And He has the good news that all of us are within the grasp of His love if we will so let Him. Lord, help us to accept that gift of grace again today. But even more, help us to go out and live it in the week ahead. Help us to be mindful of those that are trapped and stuck. Those that are enslaved, though we may not know them. May we always be champions for all people in all life because it is precious and a gift from you. And help us to do this, all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.